Stay and play in Los Angeles again tomorrow night, but first and foremost, here we go. Obviously, this half also, Seattle is coming off of a career-tying 44 points. There's that spin move. That's his signature move. Siakam, Gasol, Powell, Van Vliet, Boucher. Good contest that time by Boucher. There's Boucher. He's going to shoot an 18-footer. The former duck from the University of Oregon. 6'10 and barely 200. Look at him up, Adam. He's got it. Matt Thomas a three. Good! Watch the foul! Matt Thomas! Daniels gives it to Caruso. Boucher with a block. Boucher runs the floor with a Van Vliet. Up top. Lead for the Raptors. Wow. Look at this right here. Give it, give it, get it. And then coming down the other end. Up top, up top. Hello. Bamley, Boucher, Bonjour. Davis at three. Excellent. Swish. Excellent. Great rhythm. Good push up the floor. How about Boucher? A little draw and kick. Selfless play. Davis to three. Good. Bucket and bucket. And on the roll. Gasol scooped up by Fred. On the run, gathering, and the foul, Hollis Jefferson. Hollis Jefferson with a right. How about Van Vliet attracting that attention? Great recognition, Siakam finding Hollis Jefferson, who's got a double-double, 16 and 11. South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. You know, if you were to told me that the Raptors were going to go three and two in this West Coast swing, I would have said you're high. But here we are. The Raptors picked it up with their bench, without Lowry. And without Ibaka. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network, part of the Overtime Media crew, and we are coming to you live from the Vivid Seat studio. So everybody was freaking out that Lowry and Ibaka went down, myself included. This West Coast trip didn't look nearly as promising as it turned out. And I guess that speaks to the determination and the grit that this Raptors team have. And we're going to break it all down. Joining me to do so is Ryan Grossman of LaceSports.ca and oftentimes a contributor at SouthOfTheSix.com. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, not bad. What's going on? Oh, you know, just uh, soaking this all in, I guess. And as we spoke off air, about to get all the snow flurries that I guess you guys pass down south of the border. So I'm just prepared, I guess. Oh, yeah. So play us. <laughs> I mean, how bad how bad has it been? All I've heard is that you guys have been getting like feet of snow. We got we got one bad one at the beginning of the week. Pretty much snowed for twenty four hours, I think. Jesus. Yeah, like late Sunday into like late Monday, and like it's just now kind of all the sun's come out for once. I, I didn't recognize it at first, but <laughs> sun's out now. It's it's great. It's melted all the snow, and until we get the next one, I guess. I mean. I guess you could say that fall was cool for like an hour, right? And it, it went from like summer to fall for like a brief hot minute, and then boom, winter's here. 
I felt like, I don't know about you guys, but it was the same for us for like spring. It just, you skipped over spring, went from like winter to like summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was like no spring, which is like usually my favorite time of year because it's, that's when it's like the low 20s and not humid. Mm-hmm. You're not dying. Yeah, I feel you. Not, <laughs> like this week has just been kind of a blur. You have these, the West Coast swing. So I don't, right. I don't watch these games live. I just can't, I don't have the, the mental, you know, wherewithal to be able to stay up past, I don't know, 1030 on a good night. And to pay attention to a basketball game for like two and a half, three hours is kind of daunting. So I've been watching these games on replay. A couple of that was like, I went to see a, t- a concert on Thursday, so I didn't get home until super late. Like just this whole week has been off. And then last night, we're recording this Sunday afternoon. Last night, uh, that Raptors Mavericks game, it was, it was good to have it at like a semi-normal starting time of 8.30. Well, it's been great for people who, I guess, who follow you on Twitter. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's fun seeing your recap in the morning as you're, you're going through all the motions of the, up, the ups and downs. Like, oh, bad start. Oh, good second quarter. And it's like, it's just kind of seeing you go through the game afterwards. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I wake up and I have the Raptors app and I just open it to see the results. And I'm like, I'm going to watch it regardless. Like, I can't, because you just can't escape the results. Like, I'm going to inevitably hop on Twitter. I'm going to see these results. So I don't mind seeing the score, the outcome of the game. But I do want to see how the team performs because, A, like, this is my favorite team. I want to, you know, be up to date with it. And, B, I don't want to come on the podcast and sound like a fucking idiot. So, (laughs) so, you know, there's two pretty important things for me right there but now watching on on replay it's kind of cool because you can like skip through the timeouts and the commercial breaks and whatnot yeah. and you kind of cruise through it in like a good solid like hour and 45 minutes it's pretty good like i remember the uh back in the i don't i don't mean to bring the jays up here but back sure. in like 2000 2015 16 like when they they, they always get the shitty time slots you know like the, oh, the yeah. two o'clock game and so i'd record it and then go and go like plug my ears all the way home and just blah, 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 <laughs> turn off my phone and then like watch the whole game on like on delay on replay mm. or on recorded. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, so, um, so I've been there. <laughs> yeah, no, it sucks. But at the same time, it's whatever, like it's, it's saying up to date on it is good. It's, it was great to finally watch them live again, despite the loss. Um, I guess the Raptors could share uh, some of my fatigue Right, because they look kind of gassed, specifically oh, yeah. Pascal Siakam against the Mavs. And, you know, Marcus Hall still looks like he's sleeping or getting over the hangover. <laughs> but, look, we're going to break yeah. that all down. But uh, in, a, in a general sense, are you happy with, uh, with the way they performed this past week starting the West Coast swing in New Orleans? Well, I mean, we have to, I think we have to start with, like, the most important thing that happened last week. The nurse won a coach's challenge. He won a challenge. He did. <laughs> yeah. Got some congratulatory hugs, maybe sarcastic, ironic hugs, but hugs nonetheless from Laurie, from Larry as well on the bench there. Mm. So there's that. But um, yeah, I think, I think like most fans, uh, I was kind of uh, concerned about the depth, but like I wasn't concerned about the depth until nurse was concerned about the depth because clearly he was sticking to his, you know, 7.5 man rotation there for a while before the injuries. So um personally i think it's uh stupid when when people refer to injuries as a, a blessing in disguise mm. but uh you know what these injuries were a blessing in disguise they were uh, call me stupid but uh nurse because nurse was actually forced to use the depth and, and uh, i was very encouraged by what i saw like 
it was really fun to watch. No, it was. And it was good to see that, you know, they stepped up and they didn't let him down because I, like you, had my concerns um, in the beginning of the year where Nurse sort of downplayed the the intensity or, or the ability right. for the bench to, you know, grasp the concept of what they were doing. And that's not to, like, minimize their intelligence or anything. It was just no. echoing the concerns <laughs> of Nurse. But, you know, seeing them step up and seeing the outcomes of this past week uh, were great. And, you know, we're going to we'll, – we'll do our best to try to break this down game by game. I don't know if that's that's prudent for the sake of the show. It's probably good to just talk about the conglomerate. But um, before we do, I want to get some house cleaning out of the way, and then we can just dive right into it. First of all, if you haven't already, uh, do yourself a favor and do me a favor and subscribe to the show. Um, whether you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, wherever you're, you get your podcast fixed from, do us a favor and just smash the subscribe button. And if you haven't already, leave us a review. It helps us out a bunch. Uh, blast the Reddit boards. Blast Twitter about this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Tell your family. All your fellow Raptors fans just let them know about the show and let them know we exist we um we like to connect with as many raptors fans as possible and you know we do this we do this for the connection um also as i mentioned we are coming to you live from the vivid seat studios Look, if you're looking for tickets for anything, like I told Ryan at the top of the show, I went to a concert on Thursday. I live in the Boston area. I was able to see Tool this past Thursday, and I was looking for tickets, and I thought, mm, maybe I should check out Vivid Seats, and that's exactly what I did. Here is what you do. Go to your favorite device, whether you're using an iPhone or an Android, whatever you're using, go to your app store and download the Vivid Seats app. We've partnered with them and we have a great deal for you to check out any event you want, a concert, a sporting event. Maybe you want to see your reigning, defending, undisputed champs, the Toronto Raptors. Or maybe you want to see a comedy show or, or a theater event. Whatever you want to see, Vivid Seats has you covered. While you're in the, the app, you can search for tickets by price, you can search by row, by section, whatever you want to do they got you covered and right now they have a special offer if you sign up now you're automatically entered into their into their uh, royalty program called the vivid seats reward you earn points just by uh, purchasing tickets and you can use those points towards future ticket purchases and there's no sign up fees nothing you're automatically enrolled right away and the best part about vivid seats is all their tickets are per all their purchases are backed up by a hundred percent buyer guarantee you're not going to get screwed on your ticket purchase you're going to have your tickets and here at the south of the six podcast we're hooking you up if you use promo code overtime that's o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e first time customers get up to a hundred bucks off their first ticket purchase again promo code overtime in the vivid seats app download that use promo code overtime if you want to see a concert if you want to see the raptors if you want to see a theater show vivid seats has you covered promo code overtime we're gonna dive much into this west coast swing we're going to talk about the bench depth and how probably it changed your perception of this team don't go anywhere we will be right back this is the overtime podcast network all right ryan so the bench i mean like i said in the beginning i probably like you and everybody else once lowry and abaca went down we were thinking, okay, like this, this team's gonna go through some lulls. This team's gonna go through some shit with this West Coast uh, swing, especially with, you know, LeBron James and Kawhi back to back, and then you have to go travel to Portland and then Dallas with Doncic and everything. 
but they stepped up. Like they proved that they have a place on this team and they proved that they belong on this team with the exception of Stanley Johnson. But otherwise, (laughs) everybody else has has proved that they they have a place on this team. Um, Having said that, you know, what has been your biggest takeaway regarding the depth and, you know, how, you know, with Lowry and Ibaka in absentia, how they've sort of stepped in and I don't want to say took over the team, but definitely filled in the gaps. What What is your perception of this moving forward? Um, well, I don't know about you, but like before, like even before the injuries happened, like just looking at this upcoming road trip, especially like you said, the back to back with the Lakers and, and the Clippers, I was like, okay, they don't like, they're not going to win these games. There's no hope in hell. But then, then the injuries happen and I'm like, okay, now there's really no hope in hell. Like this, this might not even be competitive. Right. So, and then like, uh, obviously I don't think any of us expected like the Boucher's and the, you know, Davis and. Hollis Jefferson's and Thomas's, this, you know, they all kind of step up. So I think that's my takeaway is just everyone kind of all the the deaths we didn't know about, especially Hollis Jefferson, who we didn't really see at all. I think he had a groin issue. He was kind of in the doghouse and for for whatever reason. And so we finally got to see all these guys kind of step up. And it was it was crazy. Like it's just a fun week. Like just like Boucher blocking the crap out of LeBron James and Montrezl Harrell and you know, Terrence Davis, like no fear. I mean, we can go through these guys like one by one, but just like, these are like the highlights, I guess, you know, Davis just seems fearless and driving to the rim and making open threes and Hollis Jefferson, like all of a sudden this locking down superstars left, right and center, like <laughs> LeBron James, Leonard and Lillard, and also just getting those hustle rebounds and Matt Thomas coming in, nailing these open catch and shoot threes. And that's on top of what Siakam was doing, just kind of, continuing to I guess grow and it's a couple you know great games especially Portland one and crossing up and Anthony Davis on with his handles and hitting Dirk shots he's, he's got that one-legged step back three or two now and Fred Van Vliet obviously stepping up as well blowing by his defenders outplaying Damian Lillard <laughs> for God's sakes <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's just I think I don't I mean it's hard to have one takeaway right like just everyone just kind of stepping up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we'll, we'll stick with uh, Terrence Davis for now, and then we'll yeah. branch out to the rest. Like, for me, I was apprehensive of Terrence Davis, especially the hype walking into the season, because there are always these preseason darlings that yeah. sort of <laughs> uh, we attach to, and we're like, okay, this is going to be a great death piece, and he's going to provide, like, a lot of stability, and maybe not every year, but you that's a familiar narrative for a lot of teams, you know, going from summer into the fall into the regular season, you know, and in the beginning of the year, Terrence Davis, I feel, didn't really show that same spark that he showed in the preseason. I don't know if it's because the competition got a little bit tougher uh, or he was getting more of an opportunity or maybe less of an opportunity than he anticipated. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. Um, But, you know, given the circumstances with the absence, like I said, of Lowry, um, I think that with that opportunity, he now can prove himself a little bit more. And it's not like Nurse has, I I don't want to, discredit Davis in any way, but it's not like Nurse has much of a choice. Right? He has <laughs> to put these bodies on the floor. He can't just run the starting yeah. unit the entire time. So, you know, if Davis is going to get these opportunities, he's certainly running away with it. Now, I'm not saying that this means he's going to be starter level, you know, moving forward, but he is at least providing at least some less anxieties about the bench that we had prior to this swing. And I think having said that, like we are always talking about how this team lacks guard depth, 
Now that we're seeing Terrence Davis sort of, you know, turn that narrative around, it's very comforting in that aspect. I don't know that this type of level of play is sustainable because I just simply don't know what he's capable of doing over an 82-game stretch. But given the fact that there was a lot of adversity that he was facing in terms of the opponents and the road and what have you, the circumstances, as I mentioned, he definitely made me a lot more confident than I was before Lowry got injured. Well, I think... The biggest thing with him for me is just his confidence. Like he has some balls on him. He just like it, it feels like he's been in the league for at least three or four years. He's just right. absolutely fearless, confident, never afraid to take a shot. He doesn't pass up shots usually. Uh, he drives and actually finishes around the rim a lot. Hits, you know, he's we've seen him hit uh, open threes. He can d- defend a little bit and rebounds. He's like. Just an energy guy who's seemingly all over the court, everywhere. He does a little bit of everything, which is which is great. And you know, like you said, coming into the season, everyone there's always like the darlings. Oh, he's going to be the new Fred Van Vliet. But we just, right. I guess, we hadn't seen it really fully until this until this road trip. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the similarities are there between him and Fred, like both being undrafted and both yeah. being like you know having the opportunities to sort of sort. Of prove it like you know the quote-unquote bet on yourself narrative it certainly is applicable to Terrence Davis as well and you know watching him play I, I'm thinking again it's just a small stretch right it's just five games yeah. but I'm thinking to myself yeah. this is what we would like Norman Powell to be on a consistent <laughs> on a consistent true. basis right like yeah. they're they're sort of similar players maybe Norman Powell is a little bit more aggressive and has maybe a little bit more of a defensive upside but with Terrence Davis, like he's a little, little bit more reliable than I think Norman Powell is, minus last night's game against Dallas. Well, there was there was one play that stuck out for me. Uh, it was in the Lakers game where after Siakam blocked, um, he had a block. I can't remember who was on, but uh, Davis then runs the floor with the ball, pretty much going coast to coast. Siakam, you can see Siakam clapping his hands. He's, he was asking for it back. Yeah, but Davis is like, nah. <laughs> He's I got this, and he lays it up over Danny Green. It was just like, is this a rookie or I don't? Is this, this is an undrafted rookie? It just it didn't it didn't seem that way. You know, it right. just seems like he just has the confidence, like he's he's done it before. Do you think that is something that is being, you know, passed down for him from guys from guys like Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam to a lesser degree, to saying like, hey, we we are in a position of doubt as well. Like we did not have as much fanfare behind us going into the situation as we do at the current moment. Obviously, right now, um, Pascal Siakam is there's the echoes of MVP or MIP times two, or maybe Fred VanVleet MIP. There there are those sentiments out there, but maybe that sort of uh, prove it narrative that they've experienced that can sort of guide him through this and say, no, have all the confidence in the world. You're going to get all the opportunities here. And this is a great organization to develop in. I think it's, I mean, I, I think it's, that's something that's hard to learn. I mean, yeah, all that, I think all that is, is right, but it's just some, I mean, I can't claim to ever watch, have watched them in college, but right. he just seems to have like a, a drive to him that like he wants to be better and, uh, just like I guess confidence, and we we saw with um, you know in in the past we've had we've had many players, uh, including one on who's on Dallas now, um, the Delon. point guard Don Wright. Exactly, yeah. he he was always you know he had all his talent, but like he would pass up shots all the time, and like his aggressiveness was was hit or miss, pretty much miss. 
so it's it's just it's just good to see uh i guess maybe yeah maybe it is part of being part of the system kind of uh following the, in the footsteps of other people but i really think it's something inside you that kind of pushes you to to do well and i mean they and like they they saw something like you know your jury and is not you obviously they're scouts they have a really good eye and you know they they found this guy and they saw something in them that that's going to work you know you mentioned the blue jays at the top of the show like when it came to the to the postseason and you know, not to have too much cross-pollination here, but with the Blue Jays, there's this narrative out there that, you know, for the most part, they always go out dumpster diving, right? They always get the scraps at the end of free agency and sort of just fill the voids with whatever, like maybe B-minus level talent to sort of just fill in the gap so they have a full roster. You know, on paper, when you look at this squad, when you look at these players like Terrence Davis, RHJ, Thomas, Boucher, they seem like scrappers, right? They seem like dumpster diving players until you actually see it on the floor and say, no, man, these guys can hoop. These guys can ball, right? And that does, you know, lending credence to what you just said, that does give a vote of confidence to you, Jerry, and the scouting staff to be like, no, they know how to find these, I don't want to say diamonds in the rough, but people that were overlooked for whatever reason, right? Like Hollis Jefferson in the beginning of the season, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can trust him. Like Nick is saying how he just hasn't latched on to the defensive scheming and what this team is about. It's just not there yet. And you could certainly see like it's night and day compared to how he was playing in limited minutes in the beginning of the season to now. Like it's unbelievable how much the defensive intensity has just amped up and he's been so reliable with those hands. It's been ridiculous. He's not going to, you know, wow you with outside shooting. He's not like this world beater, even in the perimeter. It's more of like underneath, but man, that defense is where it's at. So like shifting from Terrence Davis to RHJ, how surprised are you with his performance? Um, you know, very, I guess, I guess he didn't take too well to, to nurse calling him out yeah. in the preseason. He's like, I'll show you, which I guess maybe was the whole purpose of calling him out in the first place to, you know, get him up to the level he, he needs to be at. And, uh, like I said before, all of a sudden, like he's, he's just out of nowhere, locking down LeBron James. I mean, not locking down, locking down, but like Sticking with he him. gave him, yeah, he gave him trouble the entire game and he was on Leonard's two minutes into the game because Leonard decided to, to gouge out OG's eye, so <laughs> he, he had to sub in for him. He was just shadowing uh, Kawhi the whole time and just like being a pest and like making him turn over the ball. And of course, they, they doubled him as well, but he was the main guy on the whole time. And then he was on a point guard on, on, on Damian Lillard. So like all, he has this defensive versatility, I guess, that maybe the, the team knew about, that, that maybe we didn't know about. Right. Um, I think maybe the, the groin might have been slowing him down a little bit. He had a groin issue uh, the first couple of weeks. And you can kind of see it when he jumps. Like, he doesn't have a really good leaping ability. Maybe he never does. I don't know. I don't know him too well. But he seems to be, like, just kind of lay the ball in whenever he when he ever is under the rim. But, like, he just he just seems to be in the right place, too. Like, he'll he'll get those hustle rebounds. He'll be, like, just kind of outside the paint and, like, roll to the rim just as uh siakam's passing the ball for for a lay-in or a dunk and like i said the defense versatility is like a perfect guy coming off a bench and like and the the offense like he got a i think which game was he got a double double i think it was the portland game yeah yeah i mean his offense is probably going to come and go but i think his defense is sustainable 
No, for sure. And, you know, the, if we put a pin on the players for just a second and shift gears to Nick Nurse a little bit, I approached this West Coast swing, you know, given the the injuries to Lowry and Ibaka, thinking to myself, this is going to be a huge prove-it series or stretch for Nick Nurse, right? Like, we yeah. sort of, I don't want to downplay anything that he's done. I, I don't want to say that he's, you know, a coach that was gifted a great team, but in a sense, he was kind of a coach that was gifted a great team last year. Yeah. And, you know, like, it, that's not to say that he didn't make adjustments or necessary adjustments. He he certainly did. And, you know, that is what, in my mind, separates him from Casey. I think Casey would stay stubborn and stick to something. And, you know, he'd live and die by that shift, whereas Nick Nurse is a little bit more fluid in his, uh, his coaching scheming and, you know, in-game ops. So, you know, I was approaching this saying, okay, Nick, like you, you're down two of your best players. One of them's a, a multi-time all-star. The other one is probably the best big man you had, you know, up until this point. So you have a lot to prove. Like what can you draw up defensively that can sort of mitigate these losses? And I got to say, like, he's been doing a great job. And to have that sort of confidence in these players, again, maybe out of necessity, but to give them the amount of minutes that they have to see them rolling and sort of stick with it. I got to give him credit, man. I, I really do. And I, the more and more I see him coach, the more and more I'm becoming confident in him with this scheming, with his abilities, with his uh, ability to adjust on the fly. It's just, it's a welcome sight. It's a night and day compared to what Casey did. I think Casey would just stick to his bets no matter what. And I mean, remember during the season against, uh, sorry, the series against Milwaukee, uh, the first time the Raptors eliminated them. Yeah. He was sticking with Damari Carroll. Like he was no doubt about it. Damari Carroll was going to start, even though he was like lacking a lot of defense. JV. Yeah, and JV. That's right. Yeah. I, you know, and like it, it took him, I think, until game four or five to have Norman Powell finally start the yep. games and to have yep. him start rolling. Like, so <laughs> bringing it back to Nurse, those things aren't there. He He's willing to give his players a chance. And it's only until they prove him otherwise, then he'll pull him. So I, I got to give him credit for how he went about this week. I mean, everything you said is is, is bang on. Like, I, I mean, I've I heard everything, you know, the, the Twitter sphere people, you know, talking about can Nurse actually coach a team that doesn't have a Kawhi Leonard on it? And I, I was always, I've just the stuff that he did during the, the playoffs, just the creativity, the, you know, the boxing ones, whatever, the zone defenses, like he just, you can tell he's a he's a creative guy. So I I had no worries like about Nurse. Even on this road trip down two players and then OG, like I was fully confident. And remember like when when he was promoted to head coach, there was no superstar. So at the time it was, you know, it was the DeRozan Larry team. So right. you know, so your jury must have seen something in him. And like you said, like uh it's it's weird. Like Dwayne Casey always had the uh, the uh, label as being like that, you know, defensive specialist coach. And I, I actually see Nurse being a much better defensive coach than Dwayne Casey. Uh, I screwed that one up. Dwayne Casey <laughs> ever was <laughs> when uh, like when he was promoted. Many like when New Jersey promoted Nurse, many people just assumed, oh, he's Nurse is just a offensive minded coach because that's what he did as an assistant, right? Right. Like. And everyone's like, oh, why, why would you get this guy who's only good at one thing? Not knowing that he'd actually been like a coach for 20 years prior, like all around the world. And at some point you would have to have a defense, <laughs> defensive scheme. And, and uh, I was like, I was like on Twitter, I was like, hold on, you know, let's see what he can do before you guys kind of pigeonhole him. Right. And 
and again, his, uh, I guess his actually his coaching experience in like the British leagues in the G League has, has prepared him to be creative because uh, it's been talked about before. Like you never know what team you're going to have. Players are in and out. Some players get called up. Some players move on. So you have to be super flexible and able to kind of adjust on the fly, which you know not many coaches have that experience. So, you know, like you said, Casey was set in his ways. He always seemed to have somewhat of a plan, I guess, going into the game. But when whenever it went off the rails, Casey had no clue what to do. He just kind of threw shit against the wall and see what stuck. And, and nothing usually stuck. No. Like, you know, you had the, the best example that everyone brings up is the, the random Nagara appearance versus the Cavs in the playoffs. It's like, just, oh, just throw Nagara out there and see what happens. And, <laughs> Everything went to shit. Whereas Nurse, uh, he's creative, out of the box thinker. You know, literally out of the box, pulling out the box and ones, which he yeah, he actually did a little bit on this road trip too. Yeah, constantly makes in game adjustments. We talked about, uh, and he's willing, able, and prepared to adjust his plan if it's not working. Like in the Lakers game, the, the defense was getting ripped to shreds, so he put it in a, his own defense and it turned the game around. I mean, that's just one example of many of how he can make in-game adjustments where, like you said, it takes Casey four or five games to like figure it out. Yeah. And I, th- I think, you know, referencing the Cleveland game, like even Bebe was like, are you fucking serious? But yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Are you sure you're calling my name? I don't know. <laughs> but no, you're right. And it leading towards like, you know, lending towards rather the, the, the aspect of not like necessarily sticking with his veteran players. Like I'm sure there's a certain amount of respect or a large amount of respect that he has for the vets, but I don't think being a veteran alone is going to be able to, to purchase you minutes when it comes to Nick nurse. And that's certainly being proven with Chris Boucher. Like say what you want. Like, I'm not saying he's, he's going to gather more minutes than Gasol, but there's certainly a case of like, maybe he should. Like, maybe he should be starting over Marcus Hall, or if Marcus Hall can keep starting, maybe it should be, like, a, in a very limited role compared to what Chris Boucher has done. Yes, Chris Boucher, like, definitely jumps on a lot of, like, pump fakes, and he, he gets into foul trouble a little bit early. He's kind of all over the place. It's a little lackadaisical with his control, but, man, like, he, there's this intensity that, like, his intensity just doesn't match his body. Right, he's like this huge twig, kind of like Nagara, not nearly, maybe not as tall, but or long, but he's like this twig that acts so big, like he, he, it looks like a dude that thinks he's in a shack body, but he's just not, <laughs> and he's just playing like with the utmost confidence and this intensity that I, I just love seeing, you know. So when when it comes to all these guys, the RHJs, the Davis, the Boucher's, like it, it's definitely a breath of fresh air to see it. And to be able to see that Nick Nurse is now giving them the vote of confidence to moving forward to be like, hey, man, if you still want to have a role moving forward, you you got it. You just got to earn it. And it's gotten to the point now that people are saying, like, how do we classify this bench? Is this the return of the bench mob? Not necessarily sure I want to go that far quite yet. Like, it's again, it's only been five games. Like, give me a, a solid month of this, and then I'll start thinking of nicknames, you know, terrible ones at that. But still, I'll, I'll <laughs> try my best to think of them. But I don't know, like, especially with Chris Boucher, there's one person I was super impressed impressed with out of this whole series. It was Chris Boucher, for sure. Yeah, especially in the, the Lakers game. Laker it was like game, a block yeah. party. Yeah. Like, who, who didn't he block in that game? It's, I mean, like, you can tell he's such a fanboy when he's like, I'll never forget that moment when, oh, I, yeah. when I blocked LBJ. And, like, I can't blame him because it's, you know, one of the best players, if not the best player in the world. And you fucking 
baptized him. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I love yeah, and he's he's playing with confidence just like Davis is. He's getting blocks, the rebounds, the hitting his threes most of the time. I mean, uh, again, yeah, like you said, it's a small sample size, and clearly Nurse has trust in him. I guess I mean it helps that he was here last year that he's he's going to him over you know the Johnsons and the and up until now the Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Mm-hmm. He's going to. Boucher over them, and Boucher is obviously less experienced than those guys. But uh, he 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 knows and he trusts that he'll come in, give you energy off the bench, and like you said, like it's it's uh, you know we wanted to see more of this for like a month before we kind of start giving names to this bench. But I think you know once the other players come back, obviously their minutes are going to go down. So it, it may not be the same uh, you know bench mob thing where we have like five on five off. You know, right. right. It's. I don't think it's ever going to be like that. They're going to once all the once Nurse has his full team, they're going to be mixed in these guys, and they're going to have a you know a more defined role, I guess. Well, you know, I talked about Boucher and how you know I'm I'm apprehensive about giving Gasol a stretch look here with the absence of ba- with Ibaka, but you know that's something that we should definitely talk about. We should talk about the frustrations when it comes to Marc Gasol and like you know it, look, it's not just his fault, but the team is suffering a lot when it comes to to rebounding and so much so that I, I want to say they're 20 they're ranked 26 in the NBA when it comes to offensive rebounds um or total rebounds I'm not sure but it, it it's it's bad like they're not rebounding the ball and you know I don't necessarily expect Chris Boucher to be this board crasher like despite the height he doesn't really have that body to just yeah. crash the boards and they you know, gulp up rebounds but I kind of do expect that from guys like Mark Saul, and it's just not there. And not only that, like there's a noticeable difference in how Gasol is operating on offense. Like he's very apprehensive, and it, it just seems like he's second guessing himself and taking these ill-advised shots. Or when he does have like a wide open shot, he's passing it off. I don't know. Like, are you noticing the same thing when it comes to Gasol? And if you are, do you think this is something that is going to level out on his own? I mean, he is a veteran for, you know, a bunch of years in the NBA. Is this something that's concerning you moving forward? I wrote a, a whole thing about this. Yeah. About yeah. Marc Gasol um, kind of not having the same Marc Gasol, the full Marc Gasol experience that we had last season, just purely because he's, as we all know, he's played a full year of basketball. And, continuing to play basketball it's, it's just you never got that like even a month he, I think he barely had a, like a few weeks off mm. and just traveling the globe going back and forth to Toronto to you know to Spain to to China to Spain to Toronto to Japan we also had a Japan trip in there just yep. for fun yeah <laughs> so like he's coming to this season just you know exhausted so like I, I had this you know, wacky plan to maybe they should just rest them for a month. I mean, that, this was before the injuries. So it's, it's not really a good idea now, but just treat it like an injury, just rest them three weeks, let them recuperate and then come back. But like, I mean, we can't do that now because we're down so many guys, but regardless, yeah, his, his lift isn't there. You can tell around the rim, like his post-op game is just completely garbage. Now right. the rebounds, like you said, uh, he still gets his fair share of rebounds, but they're very it's not consistent like he did last year. Um, but they're not even contested. Are, you know, that's just kind of gimmies. Yeah, the you mean the rebounds or the, yes, the rebounds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he, but my thing is, 
like he just he just still he does so many things to help the team win that I don't see like him getting replaced or his minutes getting replaced by Boucher because he does you know yeah he passes up a lot of shots which he shouldn't because sometimes that really screws up the offense but he has an open three and he just like passes it off but he is just his basketball IQ he's like he's like a seven foot Larry out there he he makes he creates offense he sets screens he um, you know, makes the right pass. He he's just always in, he's always in the right place because he's smart and um he's still defensively. I think he's still doing well defensively. Um, but like so, like I, I think sometimes people or fans they don't see that because it doesn't show up in the stats. Like he'll end the game with eight points on like you know two of seven shooting or something, and like they don't see all the good things he's he's doing to help this offense. Like I think the offense would would suffer without him. Yeah, it, this is eerily similar to how JV had been evaluated year after year with the Raptors, and I'm not saying that they're the same. Maybe this is some a familiar narrative that we weren't aware of when it came to Marcus All. But I do recall like JV year after year in the beginning, he started off super slow. Like it, there were a, a, there was these stretches where it was super frustrating watching him play. Like he almost forgot how to play basketball, and then you know, given a month or two, or maybe a month and a half sort of snapped out of it and became what we were familiar with. Maybe that's the same with Marcus All right now. Maybe it's just taking time. But, you know, these things that he's known for, the interior game just isn't, I'm not seeing it, especially on offense. And, you know, the passing, I'm just not seeing these amazing passes that I saw when he arrived on the Raptors last year. No, again, maybe that's just a matter of getting his feet wet. Maybe it's a matter of, like, trying to build it up and, become the player that he has been in midseason form. I don't know. But I do know that right now, I wouldn't say that he is a liability on offense, but it's certainly trending in that direction where he gets in this these foul troubles with these crazy chippy fouls and he knows it. He realizes it. He gets frustrated every time there's a foul being called on him. It's not like these, you know, stereotypical, what are you talking about? Fouls. He's slamming the ball on the ground and knows that he like he fucked up somewhere. Um there's these mental errors that I'm not, I, I never thought would be indicative of Marcus Saul, but it's certainly prevalent now. And I, I'm just hoping that it's just a matter of, you know, getting his feet wet and familiarize, refamiliarizing himself rather with this team and the schemes. Because, you know, I, again, I don't necessarily think Boucher should be starting over him, but I do think Boucher is playing or being a little bit more offensively productive than Marcus Saul right now. And I don't think that's going to carry over into the entire season. I certainly expect Marcus Saul to pick it back up, but right now it's sort of like, what have you done for me lately, Mark? I think it's, uh, I guess, I think it's, it's optimistic to think that he will, uh, that Gasol will work his way out of this. Like I, I've heard that too, you know, maybe just needs to work himself back in shape for the season. But like, how many games are we into it now? We're like, what, ten games? Yeah, maybe more. And I don't see. I mean, he's he's already he's in game shape. He's already been in game shape. That's the problem. He's been playing too many games. So I don't see I don't see him getting any better, like in terms of his his lift or his his energy. It's just he's just he didn't have that summer off like most of the players did. And I don't like I I personally don't see this kind of malaise or whatever you want to call it to going away, which is why I had that kind of insane idea of just sitting him, just resting him for like three weeks. Right. Until you like, can fully recuperate. Because it, otherwise, because we need him obviously 
like we need last year's, you know, uh, Gasol in order to, you know, to do well in the playoffs. So we I, need him fully f- capable. But without Ibaka, you're just left with Boucher. Right. And like, yeah. who, who's going to play these center minutes? Like, I know they're sort of flirting with the idea of Pascal Siakam playing the five at certain portions of the game. I don't want that. I don't want that at a consistent basis, especially with the minutes that he's racking up. He already looks tired as fuck right now. So, like, I don't need him to be banged around even more. So, like, right now, like, although I do agree with you that maybe that would be a good thing, but you're kind of in dire straits to do that at the moment. Oh, yeah. No, we can't do that now. That, that, that was, I wrote that before the right. uh, injuries happened, but. Like I said, like I like I like what I mean. I yeah, I, I like what um, what's the name Boucher brings you. But like I said, like Gasol just does so much more than Boucher. You know, Boucher gives you some rebounding, you know, some points, blocks definitely, but he doesn't give you like the screens and the all the. I still think Gasol has made some, maybe not as many great passes as you said. Those kind of really smart passes. Uh, but I've seen, I've seen a lot of them still. He's still doing the things that help the team win. And I think maybe you can give some little bit more minutes to Boucher just because, you know, Gasol is, is, you know, tired right now. And Mm -hmm. so cutting back his minutes will help a little bit, but I think he still does things to help the team win when he's, when he's on the court, regardless of his inability to, uh, you know, rebound or, or shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's the stuff that you don't see or don't necessarily pay attention to that makes him valuable on the floor for sure. But you know, just in terms of production, I just it, it, I need to see more. Like if he's not the reason the Raptors are losing games, I don't I don't want anyone to think that I'm placing blame on him. It's just with the week that had like a bunch of surprising positives, he was definitely the most glaring negative that I've seen. Like it, it was definitely. The he was the one that was sort of outcasted and saying like Mark Saul you got to do better but everyone else you did you did pretty good except for you Stanley Johnson like you shouldn't even be on this team but well, regardless he, yeah, yeah he's just the one that I, I need to see more from I think of like over this past week in terms of my my kind of list I have a couple of concerns um, I mean there was there was a lot of good but there's also a couple of things that I was kind of concerned about I think. The Gasol thing is probably really low on my list of things mm-hmm. to concern about. There's there's other things like you said, the rebounding for sure. I'm more concerned with the just giving up defensive rebounds, the second chance points that have been killing them almost the entire road trip, especially yeah. especially the Clippers and last night too. Like how many times did you see like they they'd get the stop, but then they wouldn't get the defensive rebound and then they just give up all these second chance points? I think there was actually one time in the Clippers game where there was like literally like seven, like the yes. Clippers got seven chances in a row. It was like endless. Yes. Like they couldn't get one freaking rebound. So I'm, I mean, some of it's attributed to the tired legs, but I think it's been an issue pretty much all season. Yeah. The second chance opportunities so, has been something that I've definitely noticed since the jump. Like that is yeah. something that the Raptors have to mitigate if they, if they want to like, you know, I don't want to say, crawl into the playoffs because I think they pretty much had their spot secured even though we're only what are we 12 games into the season or whatever but like yeah I, I that's definitely something they have to clean up but I do think that does coincide with your big men a la Mark Gasol mm-hmm. to be able to not allow these players to have these second chance opportunities and be that big man on the board and grab those boards 
So yeah, my my other concern is the, the minutes. I think, um, especially obviously Siakam and Fred VanVleet, they've been <laughs> racking up some huge minutes. Mm. You know, to make up for the loss of Larry and the Baca and that OG that one game for OG uh, or two games really. So they're they've been playing like what like close to forty more than 40, 40 plus minutes a game. Yeah, um, and you can really see it last night for sure for Siakam just kind of losing his legs. All his, his shots were very short. He's making kind of bad decisions, bad passes. Um, I mean, I love the fact that they're winning and they're playing hard. It's great. Uh, but like, is it worth it in the long run to kind of ground, like to run these guys in the ground just to get some regular season wins? You know, should Nurse be looking ahead to the playoffs? Um, you know, that it's. I feel like that's more of a Dwayne Casey mentality of like, do whatever it takes to win that you know that regular season game that day. Not, not really concerned about the future because he used to. Lowry used to lead the league in minutes all the time. Like he just kind of ran him up there. Yeah. And like like Leonard said last year, like these <laughs> these games are just practice for the playoffs. So, I mean, you want to. You want to, yeah. You want to get the wins, but you also you want to be cut, you know, cognizant. Yep. Yeah, that's the word. It's <laughs> a word of uh, the future of of being able to, you know, sustain this play for the whole season and then into the playoffs. So, I really, I, if that means losing a couple of games and cutting back Siakam and and Fred VanVleet's minutes uh, until the other guys come back, uh, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. <laughs> It's going to be one of those things that they're going to have to really... First of all, that we need to have a, a an adequate evaluation of the roster. And we certainly haven't had that because of these injuries and because at the beginning of the year, there was a lack of confidence in these players. So mm-hmm. in order to like find out where these weaknesses are, we sort of have to have the whole team as a total. And um, I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know the timetable for Lowry and Ibaka's return, but... You know, in terms of how to mitigate these things with the team we have right now, I just don't know because, like, you could. The argument would be if we had a full squad, you could mitigate it with other bodies. But the problem is we don't have other bodies right now. Like, we don't have any other options. So I, I just don't know how to clean this up other other than like practice or other than drilling or other than like constantly putting into these guys' head like this is what you need to work on. This is what you need to focus on. There is an argument to be made that that is effective because I feel like Nurse had done that in a defensive sense uh, heading into the preseason, into this season, and that's certainly something that the the team has focused on. Defense has been the name of this game throughout the entire year thus far, and I say the entire year, the, the, the month barely of the season, so... It's something that I, I just don't know how you mitigate. I don't know how you make better because there aren't many other good options right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on the, the game and who you're facing. Maybe we will talk about this later, but Charlotte, maybe you'd let up a little bit, uh, and, you know, cut back the minutes a little bit, depending on the matchups. Uh, you know, against the Clippers and Lakers, maybe you want to, I don't know, you, there's more, obviously, higher echelon of of uh, talent and nba team so you're gonna you know throw you guys out there for much longer so i guess against the you know the the clevelands and the uh i don't know name a bad team knicks for yeah. sure <laughs> warriors um yeah so against those teams you maybe you cut back the minutes but for for like these games like he did this past week you you do keep them up but i just i can't see 
them uh, sustaining that kind of over the whole year. Just it's just gonna they're just gonna you know by the end just gonna kill uh, Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. All right, well, we're going to take another break, but before we do, I want to take this opportunity to tell you about another sponsor, MyBookie. You guys have been hearing me talk about them many times, and it's the only place I go for all of my sports betting needs. November is the one of the greatest sports months of the year, and MyBookie has it all. Whether you want to bet on the Raptors, or maybe you want to get cooking on football, college football, NHL, whatever, or maybe other NBA games, whatever you want, you can find it all at MyBookie.ag. Whether you want to bet on specific games, or whether or not the Raptors will re- repeat as champions, they currently have them at a plus 3,000 odds to, re- to repeat as champions. MyBookie has you covered. You can make bets on individual quarters, halves, player props like points rebounds and so much more and if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little but win a lot try a parlay if you like a couple of big favorites this week parlays are perfect because they let you bet on multiple games together for a much bigger payout and now is the best time to get in on the option on the action so much so that we got a special offer for you when you sign up over at mybookie.ag new users that use promo code overtime that's o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e mybookie will match your first deposit halfway all the way up to a grand the math is legit and it's it's pretty amazing that they're allowed to do this just give you free money so if you can't believe this is real, head on over to mybookie.ag and find out for yourself. Use promo code OVERTIME. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. You spoke about the Knicks. We'll be right back to talk about how the Knicks are trying to pry away Masai Jerry. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so Dolan's going to Dolan and Knicks are going to Knicks. And they're... <laughs> There are reports out there that they're doing their best on trying to lure away Masai Ujiri from the Raptors to be in some front office role. I didn't get the specifics here, but some front office role for the New York Knicks. Masai Ujiri has stated publicly that he hates the Knicks. So this makes it even more comical that they're doing this. So, Ryan, where do you stand on this? Do you have any sense of fear, apprehension when it comes to these reports that the Knicks are trying to pursue? Masai Jerry. Is there such thing as like executive tampering? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's player tampering, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you, but you're allowed to come right and go, yeah, we want, we want uh, your jury. Well, in fairness, they, they didn't, the <laughs> they, nev- they never said we're planning to do anything. It was just a report that they would. Okay. I mean, we we're, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried. We, we already went through this with the Ted Leonces and the wizards thing where the, there was a report that they were offering like 10 million a year in ownership stake. You know, it, it didn't happen then. And I don't think it's going to happen now. Like MLSC is going to do whatever they pack up the Brinks truck. They'll, you know, buy them a house. They'll, <laughs> they'll do They'll do whatever they need to do. And, you know, Larry Tenenbaum said himself, he says, if you, I remember him saying, I think if you ask Masai, he has, he has everything he wants. So I think, I think, uh, he's not, he's not going to go anywhere. And like, anyway, who, who, what same person would want, the next job anyway right right <laughs> it would be like it would be like boarding the like the titanic after it hit the iceberg basically it's crazy because you know 
I feel like there's this perception about the Knicks, like they they are a terribly run franchise, right? Like they don't, they always like overshoot and overhype themselves. They always talk about how like the Knicks are this this place where you know like superstars are born, and I guess that is part of like the MSG aspect. But for me, like. I don't know, man. Like, I've never been impressed with that team. Like, ever. Like, I've never been this guy that was, like, looking at the Knicks and be like, they are a top-tier team in the NBA. Like, I get the market. I get, like, the New York market is valuable, and there are a lot of lights. Like, this is why New York almost always has a Christmas Day game. Like, because they're New York. But if you look at the talent and you look at the resume, there's not a lot there to be impressed with. And you could have said the same thing about the Raptors before you, Jerry, came on board. You could have said the exact same thing. But I think the difference is that the, the, the sort of autonomy that Toronto has notoriously allowed their executives to have. Right. And I think that's what's more attractive as a destination compared to the Knicks. Like, yes, you could say the bright lights and the the Mecca of New York is attractive, but you still have Dolan under your thumb, man. Like yeah. you still have Dolan <laughs> being like like, no, this is the move I want to make. Like, don't make those moves. And it sort of puts like a stranglehold on Masai Ujiri if he were to take that job. I don't even think he's going to. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, but these report I just find it comical that yeah. you know, like first it was the Wizards. Like, if I'm an NBA executive and I have the opportunity to go to one or two places, I think I'm going to go with the Washington Wizards right now because of the trajectory of the talent there. Like, they have more of a path to succeed than New York does, and I think that's clear. So why on earth would Masai Ujiri want to leave the place that, like, will, like as you said, give him anything he wants to go to a place where ostensibly there's going to be far more restrictions? I think the, I mean, the, a word... I would use is delusional yeah. <laughs> on, on Dolan's part. Like, like you said, like the, he has this view of the franchise that I guess no one else does. He, he truly believes that anyone would just jump at the chance to be a Nick or, or to be part of the Knicks. And like, you know, KD said it himself, like <laughs> no one wants to be there. He, he didn't say those words. He just said, you know, it's not cool to be a Nick now, right, right. but he's basically saying no one wants to be a Nick. And like, it's just yeah, like it's kind of a joke of a franchise. They they traded away Porzingis and Hardaway Jr. to open up like max slots, and they're like, okay, yeah, this is this is the summer. This is going to be summer. Just you guys wait. And then they got shut down. Yeah. <laughs> and they they failed to sign a single superstar after like opening up these max slots and like, I mean, really, they don't even deserve us talking about them. <laughs> That's how bad the Knicks are. <laughs> they don't, um, I live they in. Don't, as you know, I live I live in the Boston area, so I have a lot of Celtics fans surrounding me. And you know, Morris is on there now, and he was talking about the problems with Kyrie last year. And he's like, you know, the difference between the Knicks this year and the Celtics last year is that you have no superstar prima donnas like you know trying to exert their dominance. I'm thinking, bro, you have no superstars. Period. Like you have yeah. no superstars to try to be prima donnas. Yeah. yeah, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> so like you're right. Like there's there's just no star power there. It's sort of like a, a bane of an existence the NBA well yeah if you, like you said you compared it to the Raptors like what what if the, the Raptors have they didn't like it would be the equivalent of trading away Siakam now just like to create slots for like a bigger superstar like you want to keep winning keep showing that you're like a franchise that cares about winning and cares about their players and Knicks just like they trade away their franchise guy maybe he wanted out maybe he didn't but they traded him away and for what like 
like at least, at least the Raptors, you know, have have kept being competitive. So maybe you know when we've talked about the the you know maybe players not wanting to play in Toronto because it's Canada and all that. But if you compare the two franchises, if a player's looking at the Knicks and a player's looking at the Raptors, I mean maybe I'm, maybe I'm delusional, but I think they they would pick the Raptors just because of the way the organization has been run. I mean. You would think on paper, right, <laughs> yeah. that if you were to give the two options, like given what we know about the history of the lack of free agents coming to Toronto or whatnot, like you would think like, oh, New York must be the destination, but there's a reason why they can't, you know, acquire free agents. And there's a reason why they're not viewed as an attractive destination. And I'm not saying Toronto is like, or isn't, I'm, I'm just saying like notoriously Toronto just had had a difficult time. And I think that speaks more towards uh, the, the act of going through customs and whatnot and the, the location compared to where their family is, not Toronto or Canada as a destination in and of itself. But when you look at the Knicks, like that franchise is just kind of, just it's kind of garbage. Like I, I get that they're they're historical in the NBA and that factor, but when it comes to what they have accomplished, there's just not much there, if anything. Like really, the, if anything, like you would think players would want to go to New York because you think of other sports like the Yankees, like people like to think like, oh, the Yankees are a good place to play. I want to go play for, you know, New York City. Or, you know, I don't, I don't know, really know much about hockey, but I, I don't know if the Rangers are an attractive destination. I don't know. But you you figure that New York, when you hear that term, you're like, okay, this is a, a team that I want to play for. Well, not really, right? And for me, it's just why would yeah. Masai want to go someplace where free agents, A, don't want to go right now? And if the Knicks are saying, well, look, like, I think buried in this is that the Knicks, there is this narrative out there that they want to sign Masai in hopes that that will lure Giannis over. Well, okay, right. like that's saying, <laughs> like that's what people should be paying attention to right now. That's what that spoke volumes to me is that there are people around the NBA. It's not just embedded in the Toronto fanhood. It's people in the NBA that are legitimate reporters believe that there is a legitimate link between Giannis and Masai. That's not just a made-up narrative now confirmed with the Toronto sports media or Toronto sports fan. That is prevalent throughout the NBA right now. Like, and that is what spoke volumes to me, thinking like, okay, that this link or this fear or this attractiveness and, and bond between Giannis and Masai, it's legit. It's not something we're just making up out of thin air. It is legitimate. And I think that is what people should be focused on if you're Raptors fans. Don't have any fear about Masai going to New York. Focus on the fact that people think that there is a legitimate interest between the two parties because of how close they are. Yeah, that was, that was kind of like... I guess a leap that these kind of writers are, are making that that's why that Dolan would want Messiah to, to attract uh, Giannis. But uh, yeah, that, that is, there is obviously a legitimate connection between Messiah and, and Giannis. And uh, yeah, it's something to, I guess, to, to focus on. But I mean, it's still, you know, not a sure thing. Oh, for that, sure. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm with you on there. It's just, I yeah. just find it funny that there are people outside of Raptors fanhood that think that this link is like, it's a legit threat to Lauren Giannis. I think that's, that's funny. Well, I guess, I mean, we know, you know, what they know in terms of their, their past relationship and the, right. how, how he helped them out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's still kind of weird to make that leap that would, that Dolan is thinking to get Messiah. I think he just wants, you know, your jury because he's 
because he's he's dirty. He's the best. Yeah. He's he's like the most capable executive. Uh, I don't know why he didn't win executive year last year. But he only traded for Kawhi Leonard. I mean, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he, I think he came fourth with an executive year last year. Probably. Masai. Yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And the the the, the Bucks guy, the uh, Horst. I don't I can't remember his name. The yeah. GM, the Bucks. He he somehow won for doing for doing what? Hiring a coach. <laughs> Bud. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and having Giannis. That's it. Yeah, he already had him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I, I think that, you know, far from it, you're right. There is no legitimate, and I think I've echoed this on the show. They're like, I don't want people to get twisted. I don't think this yeah, means that Giannis true. is coming to Toronto. Yeah, I just yeah. think it's cool that people outside of Toronto think that this link is legitimate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we, I wanted to talk about the, I mean, we sort of touched on the, the defense. Sure. That, that's been on display, and we kind of circled around it. Um, you know, I think it's something, it's something you know, really crazy that you don't really see when when a, a team can shut down three consecutive, you know, top NBA All NBA All Stars like that. I mean, we we all like we all know the the numbers by now. There was uh, Raptors held LeBron, Leonard, and Lillard to a combined twenty three point seven percent shooting and eleven point three points per game, um, which I just. You know, it was a combination of, especially Leonard and Lillard, who were kind of the only offensive threats on their team. So they, it was a lot of Nurse being creative again, like something you wouldn't you wouldn't see uh, in the past. You know, trapping them, double teams, triple teams. As soon as they passed half court, so getting the balls out of their out of their hand, and uh, just making other players beat them. It was just it was just crazy to see, it was just one after another, just picking off superstars yeah yeah so i'm looking at the numbers that you just uh mentioned they they held them all three of them Kawhi, lebron and lillard to a total of 34 points and you know and just looking at you look at lebron five for 15 like that's bad for lebron sanders and Kawhi two for 11 that's terrible and leonard uh, sorry lillard two for 12 like that is if I would have told you that the Raptors did that and didn't give you any other parameters here or any other, you know, context, you would think that, okay, the Raptors were fully healthy. But if I tell you, like, two of their best players aren't playing on this team, like, that is fucking impressive. It was nuts. Like, it, when was impressive. the last time, like, Leonard only made two field goals and we and cost him, like, he had a career-high nine turnovers, I think? Yeah, yeah. And he was actually visibly, you saw him visibly frustrated. I'd never seen Leonard visibly frustrated he was just just Hollis Jefferson was just on him the entire game and they were doubling and tripling him every time he he tried to make any move it was it was nuts yeah they they definitely focused on him and I think the you know not to take anything away from it but you know the the Clippers have been sort of I don't want to say the brunt of a joke but they've been definitely under the the microscope with this load management thing and whatnot and you know with Kawhi like I don't I think they won their first game without him yesterday but PG was playing and, you know, with, with Kawhi, you know, being the focal point of that offense, when you focus on him, the difference between the Clippers team now and the the Raptors last season is that he had other players to quote unquote bail him out. In other words, like he had reliable players to sort of make plays for him. If he was getting attention on defense, um, there's none of that in the Clippers and it shows here. Yes. Yes. The Raptors lost that game. Sure. But you know, it's not like they got destroyed 
here. Like, it's not like that, that was a game that I walked away with and I was thinking, like, oh, this team's fucked. I'm thinking more like that was an incredible display of confidence and defensive poise and, you know, limiting Kawhi at just a measly 2-for-11 from the field. Yes, he went 8-for-9 at the line, but still, like, that's that's pretty good. I mean, the... They do have like they do have other options like Lou Williams and Harrell, um, maybe on par with what we had last year. But um, yeah, like you said, it was they clearly focused on him and they wanted they wanted the Williams and the the Harrells and everyone else to to Harkless's to to beat them. That was a strategy. They ended up you know doing so, but mostly because Raptors just ran out of energy. I think because we right. I think we had the lead going into the fourth. Uh, we just kind of uh, ran out of gas. Yeah. But um, also the, yeah, you wouldn't like, yeah, you wouldn't expect going in that it would be such a close game. Like I thought everything was against them pretty much. It was a back to back, right? And you, you're down two players and then three players because OG went out in the first two minutes. And like, I remember the whistle wasn't that great that game either. Um, just everything was against them. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be a blowout. And then like, they ended up making it like super close. Yeah. I mean, if you want to throw McCall into there too, they're down four players. So like technically they are down four, but it's, it's definitely something that, you know, I walked away from that game much like I walked. Actually, there was only one good loss this entire West coast swing. And that was like the Clippers game. Last night's game was a lot more frustrating and uh, Luca is just ridiculous, but, yeah, he's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's legit. But, you know, looking at what the Raptors had to deal with and, you know, considering that that was the, the tail end of the trip and they're all tired, kind of give them a little bit of leniency. Like, I'm, I'm not at all thinking this team is doomed or thinking that there, there's something wrong. Like, even though we highlighted some of the negatives earlier, but, you know, when you consider these stats, like, consider that they, they held Kawhi, LeBron, and Lillard to such low scoring and low percentages, like with such a depleted roster, quote unquote, that to me is something like I can sink my teeth into a little bit more than the loss last night, right? I can deal with that loss. I can live with that, but I'd rather focus on, you know, not to be overly optimistic about it and not to ignore the negatives, but still that sort of defensive intensity and performance. I think that is exactly what the Raptors need to be with the loss of Ibaka and Lowry. Like, it, you need to have a, a, a focus on defense. Not to say the offense isn't there. It certainly is. But, you know, with with those two players out, there's certainly a drop-off. And so if that means you have to play a remo- ro- more robust style of defense, excuse me, moving forward, I'm cool with it. And I, I just love the way this team is playing. It's given me a little bit more confidence today than I was at this exact same time last week. And they they ended um, they ended uh, was a streak it was two hundred and thirty straight games of, of ten plus points yeah for Lillard and just bye bye and and it's just like they yeah they let they let the Rodney Hoods and the McCollum's are like yeah have at it we don't care go ahead and shoot and like they just shut down Lillard and like you said that's that defensive intensity is um, that's the thing that's going to be going to help them win we saw it last year. So their defense was what you know won them the championship, and the defense also leads to offense. So it's it's uh, that's why you know Nurse before this season even started was getting on his guys, getting on the two guys for like not playing defense uh, up to par at the level that he wanted to, because he knows the defense is what is what uh, rules it all. Um, one more point about that is 
Um, I think we we mentioned or we talked about you know the Raptors possibly being very Spurs like. Mm. I think before the season we did that in terms of their ability to kind of find these guys at the end of the first round at the second round like the Siakams and and the non-drafted guys like Van Vliet and Davis but also just their system is is very Spurs like and it's very it's very like plug and play next man up kind of thing where you can just like we saw in the Clippers game where OG gets his eyes gouged out and 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 then it's like Nurse is like okay Paul Jefferson, it's your turn. Go get him. Sticks him in there. Sticks all these other guys, all these bench players we've been seeing this past week. Sticks them in there, and it's just like the system keeps going. We still keep winning and still competitive despite being down, you know, three or four guys. Right. Yeah. It's. It. it I don't know. I. I just don't know. When it comes to. I, all right, so like in the beginning of the show, we were talking about like how we love to see what these bench players can do and how like, you know, we're, we're admiring that nurse sticks with him. I guess like the other side of the coin there is that if Lowry and Ibaka are going to be gone for an extended absence, how, how much confidence can we have of this being a real thing? Like how much confidence can we have moving forward when it comes to teams like, again, like Boston moving forward or Philadelphia moving forward? Like I'm not sure that this is... I don't want to downplay it, but I'm not sure if this is a legitimate real thing that we can mm-hmm. rely on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I although, like, I do consider, obviously, the Lakers to be a true test, Clippers to be a true test, Portland, okay, maybe not, considering how poor they've been playing in the conglomerate. In Dallas, they played pretty well. They hung in there. But I just don't know, because I just don't know what this team is. Like, I don't know these players, save for just 12 games. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if this yeah. is something that we can fully dig our hands into and say, okay, like, this is the team we have. I guess that's, it's a slight, slight pessimism in me, but it's still something that's itching in the back of my mind being like, is this for real? Like, it, like I said in the, earlier, like, I need to see more from this quote-unquote bench mob until I can actually give them a nickname and give them that sort of co- vote of confidence moving forward. No, you're you're exactly right. And that's that was one of my other concerns for the, for this week is is it sustainable? And like, like I said, it's the defense. I think will always be there. It's whether you're going to get the you know the contributions from all these guys on the offensive side. And I also wonder the other the other factor is was there was there like a surprise factor? Just you know the Lakers and the Clippers. They, they didn't. They never seen these guys. These lineups that Nurse was throwing out there because they never had to. So they didn't have any tape on. They didn't have any way to prepare for the game. Like seeing. Like an uh, RHJ Siakam Boucher front court, like they've yeah. never seen that before. So I wonder, was some of this just just a complete surprise to the other team because they weren't prepared for it? But the good thing is, like when when Larry and Ibaka return, like the minutes they'll come down, and then the bench players will, you know, there's less chance for them to get exposed. I guess you know. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because you know they're still. At least, according to reports, like Lowry still has a little bit of time. Like I think when the injury happened, it was two weeks until he was reevaluated, not until he returned. So like it's yeah. still sort of unknown as to when he's going to come back. And with Ibaka, there, anytime you see someone in a walking boot, you can pretty much bet on it's going to be like a an extended absence. You probably, if I were a betting man, you might you'd be lucky to see him by. Christmas like and I I don't know I'm not a doctor here but if you have you know an ankle injury and you are in a walking boot and you're a big guy and especially when you need that sort of leg strength to play this game especially as a big man 
um, you might need a little bit of time to rehab. So, like, it, if, if we're throwing these chips into this basket, you know, because we don't have a choice, but also because of these injuries, then, like, buckle up. Because, like, with, the, with, these, with this West Coast swing out of the way, um, it gets a little bit easier for the Raptors. And I, I think that if, if this bench unit can gel and they can play at this level and Nurse can sort of work his wizardry, we should be able to do more than just keep our head above water. Yeah, exactly. Just get better, rest up, and like it's it's better now that they're oh, hopefully we get these injuries out of the way to start the season as yes. opposed to the end of the season. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd much <laughs> rather be dealing with this now, especially yeah. with the schedule being so top heavy. Um, yeah. Dealing with this right now instead of like April and being like, what the fuck are we gonna do for the playoffs, man? Like, yeah, you know, like I, I'd rather not deal with that. But um, yeah. look, we're, we we have a bunch of games lined up. Um, I want to get to that in a bit. I want to take our final break, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll preview the upcoming games, and we'll do the two-sweet two moment of the week. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's time for the two-sweet moment of the week here on the South of the Six podcast. Okay. To me... There is only one moment that was too sweet. And I know this whole week. <laughs> Just one? Yeah, there was only one that made me get out of my chair at work because that's where I was watching the games minus <laughs> last night and being like, holy shit, that was dope. I'm going to save it. I'm going to let you go first. What was your too sweet moment of the week? I think I can predict what it might be. <laughs> go ahead. The, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, deciding between two different ones. First one, which I think you're talking about, might be... Boucher's monstrous two-handed block on, on Montrose Harrell. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Sending send a dude to the floor and, you know, I thought both his arms might snap in half, but yes. uh, he was able to do that. I mean, that, that. That's what I was thinking of, but then I thought um, maybe go off a little bit off the board here. Maybe not actually a, a move, but more of a quote. Oh. If, if that's acceptable. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's a moment. It's whatever you want it to be. Go ahead. All right, so... After the after the uh, the Raptors beat the Lakers, LeBron's post game he had a, he had a, he had a quote about um, they asked him about you know the Raptors being undermanned, uh, and this is what he said he said uh, they still got championship players, uh, no matter if they're shorthanded, uh, but they still got those those guys that are champ- that have championship DNA, uh, so we didn't take them lightly. But I just thought it was it was just a different tone from a from a star player like that, you know it was. It was Far cry from the, you know, three years ago, him spinning the ball in Ibaka's face and drinking throwing all the hoops off the boards. Yeah, <laughs> drinking the beer, <laughs> pretending to drink the beer and saying that, uh, you know, he's been in more adverse situations when they were tied 2-2 in the Eastern Conference. So I just thought it was a player of his caliber now recognizing the uh, the Raptors are have, have championship pedigree. So that's my sweet moment. Yeah, I like that. I like, I, I like how, you know, first of all, I like how LeBron came out and said that. It was eerily reminiscent to, you know, the first time they met in the Eastern Conference Finals where the Raptors took them to six games. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the crowd at the then ACC was chanting, let's go Raptors at the end of the game, even though they lost. Yeah. And, like, LeBron, I think it was with Doris, and LeBron was saying, like, do you hear this crowd? Like, sort of, like, cut her off and saying, are you hearing this crowd right now? It's unbelievable. Um, it's always good when LeBron gives props to the team and or the city. Um, I, I think that, you know, I don't want to say that it, it's just lip service. I certainly don't think that, but I do think there is a level of, you know, 
respect that he has when it comes to the team, especially as returning champions. So um, that definitely caught yeah. my eye because I didn't hear it. I just read about it. Um, it definitely caught my eye when, you know, you have a superstar player acknowledging the team, especially when they're down two mainstays, as we've been saying throughout this entire show. Um, that's special. That that should yeah. be, you know, a vote of confidence for this team moving forward, and that's something that they shouldn't take lightly. And it's also something that fans shouldn't take lightly. Like you should be confident in this in this group before they prove you otherwise, which is what I'm, you know, hopeful that they don't. But yeah, no, that's that's great. And you know, that block from Boucher, that was <laughs> I just yeah. love it, man. I love seeing, you know, young unknown players sort of make their stamp. Like even the one against LeBron, like that was a close second, but like the just the ferocity and how he did it i was just like damn man like that's impressive i love it yeah i'm pretty sure i almost i almost hit my knee on my coffee table i'm pretty <laughs> sure but I, that one happened i got up which i rarely do during a regular season game you know <laughs> yeah no it's uh look i i, I don't want to overhype boucher because I, I don't think he's going to be like this outstanding player for this team like you know through and through i think he will have his downfalls and he will have his moments where he's utterly frustrating but you know, seeing him play at this level when called upon, it's just, I love yeah. it. And, you know, having these sort of poster moments or these highlight good, moments. Yeah. yeah. It's good to see that it's in there. Yes. You know, it's in there somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Whether how many times we see it in a row or consistently, yes, it's there. Well, speaking of seeing it consistently, the Raptors have two games this week before the weekend. Um, they come back home to play Charlotte and Orlando on Monday and Wednesday. Um, both teams, I'm, I'm just not buying into, especially in Orlando, <laughs> like, oh, side note, did you see that Orlando is interested in DeRozan? Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to help them exactly, but I don't know. Maybe they're looking for more mid-range baskets. I guess. I <laughs> yeah. I, I just, maybe they're thinking reunite him with T. Ross, something good will happen. I don't know. I, I just. I feel bad for the guy because now he's just getting tossed around and, you know, whatever. But anyways, uh, Charlotte, Monday, Orlando, Wednesday. I'm going to make it easy. I have it as two wins in a row for the Raptors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's usually, they, they call that first game back from a long road trip, the trap game or whatever. Yeah. When they face the Hornets, but like, it's the Hornets though. <laughs> so yeah. I think I think we'll be okay. Um, I know they've been playing much better this year than anyone expected. I don't, I don't know the record, but I know it's it's not as bad as I think we all thought it would be at this point. Mm. But uh, scary Terry, um, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing scary about Rozier is his contract. Yeah, I it was never scary Terry <laughs> for me. Like Terry yeah. Rozier for me, like you know, being in the New England region, like I never bought into the hype. Even though a lot of Celtics fans were like, oh, like they were wearing the scream mask and everything. I'm like, you guys. <laughs> I mean, like I, he did have his moment, sure, but he wasn't. No, he's nothing to build around. But yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not concerned with these two games at all. And I don't know if Isaac's playing that Magic game. Did you hear about his his weird random injury? No, what happened? Like he apparently he rolled his ankle during a. They were showing off their new Magic's uh, like City Edition uniforms. They're unveiling them somewhere, like on a platform or something. Yeah, a platform event. I didn't see. It. I just I just read a tweet, and apparently he rolled his ankle. <laughs> of course he did. Of yeah. course he did. No, that makes total sense because <laughs> perfect. Well, then even if that's the case, then yeah, the Magic definitely aren't winning this game. But you know they weren't winning it at all. And the good part about you know I don't want to jump too much ahead, but the good part about the remainder of November, if you were like me and you had to sort of drag your way through this West Coast trip, um, 
All the rest of the games in November are at 7.30 or 7 o'clock. I think there's only one 7 o'clock game. The rest are at 7.30. So uh, they're back to normal times and everything is all good. So um, No more watching the morning? No more no, morning recaps? <laughs> no more morning recaps. So we'll be all live tweeting from here on out, at least for, the, for, the, for November. I'm looking at December right now. It doesn't look nearly as daunting. In fact, they don't go on to the West Coast again until March. So... <laughs> Yeah, so this this was their longest one apparently, the five game road trip. Yeah, so yeah. They, they got the two LAs out of the way, which is good, and so hopefully, you know, going forward, it be good. Yeah, I'm looking at March right now. They have five games, like Western Conference games, but the first one is at Denver, and that's a six o'clock Eastern time. Oh. Yeah, the other ones are so better than the last one being at Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So they get their feet wet against Denver right away. So. Yeah, in the high altitude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there you go. So two wins we both have scheduled for this week. That should put the Raptors at a 10-4 record if we are correct, which is still good. Look, right now, I, I don't like looking at the standings this early, but uh, last time I checked, they were fourth in the Eastern Conference. I know a lot of people are buying into the Celtics hype. Please don't do it because their schedule has been just so incredibly easy for them. Like yeah. So much so that, like I guess, my cousin-in-law, I guess you could say my wife's cousin, um, it was like talk. Oh, look at the Celtics! So didn't think they're right. gonna be. Look at Jalen Brown. Don't think he deserves that contract. I'm like, look at the teams he's playing against. Like, these aren't playoff teams. You don't think the Spurs yeah. are a playoff team? They might not be. I don't know. Like, I, but I do see their schedule, and it's pretty fucking easy. Yeah, it was like Raptors and 76ers. I think the only like kind of and Bucks. They very... beat the Bucks. Okay, we'll give them that one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but the 76ers but aren't looking good yet. either. Yeah, they're not kind of tip top yet, and, and the Raptors weren't either at that point. I don't think, but so yeah, they, they wait till they kind of kind of go through what, what the Raptors just went through with this this kind of road trip. Yeah, yeah. And See then, how they fare. I think they almost think lost they, to the Warriors too, and they're they're not that great either anymore. So not at all. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> all right, well there you go. So like, if you're paying attention to the standings right now, I highly suggest that you don't. And if you were bummed out about last night's game against Dallas, hopefully this has given you some sort of confidence moving forward. Hopefully this is making you realize, hey, it's just a game lost. Like these things are going to happen. And I know it's frustrating. I know a lot of people like to blame the referees. I get it. I get the impulse. But I rather stick with the overwhelming positives of how well this bench has played with Lowry and Ibaka and Absentia. So I think like having this keeping rolling, keeping Nick Nurse on his toes with this bench unit, and you know if they're delivering still, good things will happen. I'm a little apprehensive. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I was gonna say on the defense. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Like, and that's again, Nick Nurse has his fingers all over that. The fingerprints all over it and I, I mentioned that I was a little apprehensive as to how they can prove it moving forward I don't lack confidence that they will I just need to see it first in order to be fully yeah. on board with this so having said that uh things are looking up and you know hopefully last night's loss didn't get you down but that's going to do it for today Ryan I appreciate you coming on I know Sunday afternoons like people like to get shit done but I'm appreciative that we could have this conversation you know the deal this is your time to shine promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on twitter go for it dude the floor is yours all right so my twitter account is at ryan grossman it's grossman with one s so g-r-o-s-m-a-n uh website is lacesports.ca l-a-c-e-d uh sports.ca uh just put up a or last week um maybe two weeks ago now, no. The Marcus Hall piece about uh, giving him some rest and kind of what he's going through. Uh, next week, I'll be putting up 
going back to the World Series, the kind of just three, uh, I guess, boneheaded moves that managers made during during the playoffs. Just kind of recapping that a little bit. So I'll have that up next week. And uh, yeah, that's about it. All right. Plenty of content and that you can find it all in the description of this show. Along with Ryan's Twitter, uh, I highly suggest to follow, especially during Raptors games. You keep a pretty level head about everything. You are pretty, um, you know, realistic when it comes to things, and you're not afraid to point out the flaws when they are glaringly obvious. So, I uh, appreciate you coming on, man, and I know we'll do this again soon. So, take care. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors.